0: Today today's different. I'm approaching this message different and you know, we're getting ready to read one of the greatest miracles that took place in Jesus' ministry. And he had a friend named Lazarus who who died and Jesus raises him from the dead. But before that miracle took place, before the miracle took place where Jesus brought restoration into his life and, and, and he was living and breathing again, there was a lot of calamity. There was a lot of drama. And there was people interpreting what Jesus was doing or what Jesus was not doing and people were saying, he's delayed. Now I'm, I, I got a moment of reflection in your own life right now. How many would say there's something you have been praying for, something you have wanted God to do in your life, and it's been delayed? Can I see you raise your hands? Okay, we see quite a few hands around the room. And you know, how many times do we get in this desperate situation, and you might tell the Lord, okay, here is my need, now fix it. I mean, oftentimes, that that is our approach. God, please just fix it now. Do something. Save me from this issue. And then our reaction when nothing happens immediately reveals our true faith. Amen? You know, my oldest son is getting ready to turn 20 this year in just a couple months. And yeah, man, I'm old and uh you know it's funny i'm at that age right now where all the older ones tell me you're not old all the younger ones are like man he's old so you know it's just it's it's a strange place to be in right now but uh i remember when my oldest son was 18 months old and you know uh, up to that point he was he was progressing i mean he was he was ahead of the curve he was He was blowing our minds with the things he could say and the things he could do. And then just, it seemed like almost overnight, that stopped. And it didn't. It didn't just stop. He he regressed, and we we saw a regression in his life. And I remember as Wendy and I were trying to figure out what's going on. We're going to the doctor, and we we don't. We're, we're trying to just make sense of it all, right? And I have been in church all my life, and I'm told, well, you just got to have faith, man. You got to pray. And I'm sitting there praying, and there it's creating this tension between her and I because we're just trying to find some answers here. And then beyond the tension that that we're facing, and then there's frustration in our Faith, and we're crying out to God. And I remember times where I would I would have Josiah. I'd either be holding him, or he'd be he'd be sitting in the chair beside me, and I would be praying. And I remember getting done with the prayer and saying, "Okay, I've been taught. You just need to have faith." And as soon as I'm done looking at him, like, "Okay, he's healed now." And I, I would repeat this process over and over and over again. And and each and every time I prayed, and I'm like, "Lord, I'm 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 believing. I'm doing it, and nothing's happening." i just get frustrated. And you know, I I had the faith that God could provide a miracle, but I kept wrestling with this understanding of how does God operate, and why isn't He healed? As we read this story today, you're going to see a lot of that. Questions from Jesus' disciples, questions from Mary and Martha and the family, all wondering, why on earth did it take you four days to come here after he's dead? We've walked with you. We've seen you done great healing. We know had you have been here, you could have healed him. So what I want to do is, this is a long section of Scripture, and I, I encourage you sometime to read all of John chapter 11. We're not going to have time to do that today, but I want to do my best to summarize for uh summarize it for you, and then we're going to pick up at verse 17. You know, at the beginning of the chapter, we're introduced to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Lazarus, this, this brother, he becomes ill, and his sisters, they sent an urgent message to Jesus, yet the reality of the situation, everything that is going on, um, that message doesn't reach Jesus in time. And so when the news reaches Jesus, he did not drop everything instantly. He did not hurry to Bethany to be with his friends. Instead, he waits. He delayed his coming, and as we noted, uh, that, that in this delay, it can puzzle us. And it is when God, I've noticed that that when God does not respond in the way that we have been taught or we expect Him to, we all of a sudden, we become troubled. We become really concerned. And then we begin to think that maybe God, He really doesn't care about us. Now when you and I, when we're being overwhelmed by the events of our lives, it can be very difficult to continue to believe in the midst of God's silences and the face of these delays that... He still does love you, and I would argue that as we read this story, Jesus did not stop loving Mary and Martha and Lazarus because he didn't become immediately. It was just that his plan required a different response. And so let's turn to John chapter eleven, verses seventeen. And right now we're just going to read verses seventeen through twenty-two. It says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, He was told that Lazarus had already been in His grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Maria, or Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet Him, but Mary stayed in the house. I want you to take note of that. Martha said to Jesus, Lord... If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word today. And God, I just pray that your spirit will just flow throughout this place. That, Lord, no matter what word comes out of my mouth, your spirit is speaking through your word. And it is penetrating hearts and minds that brings us understanding to who you are. Lord, be in this service today. Have your way. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. amen. You know, I think about this scenario and this delay, and, and clearly the sisters are upset, and they have trusted and they have relied and believed on Jesus, and all of a sudden he shows up late, and Mary is sitting in the house, and clearly this mental picture that I get is that Mary is just absolutely disgusted. She's upset. Jesus should have been there. Martha, she operates completely differently and they 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 have two very stark reactions and Martha takes this approach because they did have this close relationship with Jesus that she just went out to him and she started doing almost like finger pointing at him. Had you have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And what they didn't know was that by the time Jesus received word, Lazarus Lazarus was already dead. But if you notice in the story, it points out that Jerusalem was only a few miles away. He didn't rush. You know, it's easy to reason with their reaction, honestly. Imagine being at such a vulnerable state and relying and trusting on the Son of God and having a tight relationship with Him. And so here He comes and and Martha is not holding back her emotions and I would have to imagine that everything they had seen Jesus do, they have sat at His feet, they have recognized Him and His authority in God. I have to imagine that during that time of learning from Him, Him teaching them and them, them fawning over who He is, that they had to have a reserved nature knowing that they were in the presence of God up to that point. But when Jesus shows up four days late for his good friend's death, they feel let down. Now Jesus, he he has his own reasons. In fact, listen to what he tells his disciples in verses 12 through 15. He says, The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping... He will soon get better, because Jesus told him he'd, he'd been asleep. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And so Jesus is pointing out that there is still this struggle with their belief, but they are beginning to discover what it means to approach God with an honest heart. Everyone say the word honest here. Okay, so now we're dealing with this level of honesty that has come from Martha and what she truly believes. She had probably been pretty reverent in the presence of Jesus Christ before, but now she is in the midst of pain and she is just letting him know how she really feels. What's going on in here? Last week, I was traveling to Ohio for a funeral. And I I had a a friend accompany me. And he's telling me a story as we're going. And he, he was telling me about this friend he had that had a Chevy Silverado pickup. And he was so upset that it wasn't a Z71. And so he goes online and he finds a Z71 sticker that matches all the other stickers on the Z71 pickups, and he takes that sticker and he puts it on his rear quarter panel right, right where it should go. And so next thing, you know, he, he feels like he's fitting in with everyone, and people think he has a lot nicer truck than he really has, right? And, and he's, he's, he's pretty excited about his Z71 pickup now. Now imagine for just a moment, he decides to sell it. He listed on Facebook Marketplace, right? And he says, very nice, well-kept Z71 pickup. And someone sees that price and they're like, man, that's a, that's a pretty good deal. And so they go out and like, so, so this pickup, it's everything you advertise it as, right? Yep, yep, yep. And, and they buy it and then something happens and they take it to their mechanic. Imagine receiving that news. You've got a really nice sticker there. You don't have the motor to go with it, but you got a nice sticker. I, I can only imagine the feelings there. And I, I can tell you that the same thing, that oftentimes when we are making any kind of strides in the Lord, if you want to make strides in the Lord, you got to make sure that you don't fall into the trap of holding back who you really are, but truly revealing what is going on on the inside. Because what happens is, like Mary and Martha, we go, we sit at the feet of Jesus, and we have this, this reverence where we also put up walls, not revealing what is truly going on in here. We're putting on a false front. We're walking in this door and we're sticking that Z71 sticker on us, and we're like, no, man, we're good. I'm good. Maybe you call it saving face, maybe you call it walking with dignity, I don't know what you do to justify it, but I am telling you that God cannot work on a heart that has put up barriers. Do I have an amen? Amen. That is why that, that when I read the Bible and I see Peter as a disciple, and Peter, if you read his responses to Jesus, this is a man who put his heart on his sleeve and you knew exactly what he was thinking and all of his development was coming quicker. Hear me out. All of Peter's development was coming quicker because Jesus knew exactly what he was thinking. Jesus knew exactly who he was. After Jesus ascends to heaven... They're waiting for the Holy Spirit and Acts. And who's the first disciple that steps up and takes the role of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's Peter. And church, I am telling you, that is because you had a man that revealed exactly who he was from the start and he didn't put on a false front. I want to be clear about this moment. Jesus looked at Mary and Martha and he saw the emotional turmoil. But he still had purpose in his approach. And my encouragement to you is that church, we can't be afraid of our honesty. We can't be afraid of an honest heart. And there's all kinds of reasons I could list why we would be afraid of being honest. But I want us also to establish that just because you are being honest with your feelings or approach to God in your situation does not make you right. It doesn't make you right. But when you are honest, it means that you have made yourself completely vulnerable to an all-powerful, all-knowing God. See, Jesus, I can only imagine. Martha is there. She's pointing her finger at Jesus. If you had only been here, if you had only been here, he wouldn't be dead. And in Jesus' response, he doesn't offer rebuke. Instead, what he does, he responds, Your brother will rise again. And in Martha's response, it was, it was the most educated, I've been in church all my life, Sunday school type answer she could muster up. Her response was, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, even in her response, even though it's theologically sound, it is disconnected from the life-giving nature of Jesus Christ and his ministry i got a rhetorical question for you because I say it's rhetorical because I know how everyone would typically answer this. Do you want to grow in the Lord? Do you really want to grow in the Lord? Then don't hold back in your misunderstanding of how he operates. Try and wrap your mind around the ways of God. I encourage you to reveal to Jesus who you are what your struggles are, because I believe that it is through that, when we reveal and open ourselves to Jesus, that God can bring correction to us, and teaching, and help us grow. There were some sons of a man named Korah, and they wrote many songs in the book of Psalms. In Psalm eighty-eight fourteen, 14, listen to what they said. This is, this is them talking to God. Listen to what they say. Oh, Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. Oh, Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? Now, I don't know about you, but it's a good thing I'm not God, because if I'm an all-powerful God, I'm looking at them and say, what did you just say to me? But they say that, and I know that God has purpose in everything He does. He has purpose in our lives even through turmoil, through struggle. I read a quote in regards to Psalm 88. It says, God sometimes hides Himself in nature, that He may reveal Himself in providence. He sometimes hides himself in providence that he may reveal himself in grace and he sometimes hides himself in grace that he may reveal himself in glory. God understands our minds are finite. He understands that we are limited in our understanding. So if you just simply choose to open up and display your vulnerability to him, you are in essence displaying your trust in Him at the same time. And so when we offer this trust, what we do is we are committing to His plan regardless of the circumstances that we are facing. And so... I know that once you become committed, Jesus will reveal his purpose. But oftentimes, God is waiting on us to step up and commit fully before our true faith can be established because of that small action. Take, for instance, the idea that faith is believing without seeing. If you guys have ever seen, and I love this illustration, if you ever seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, who loves that movie? I love that movie. It's, you know, it's an older movie now. Goodness, it was made in the 90s, wasn't it? Mid, early 90s. I don't know. I'm old, guys. As I said, I established that already. And there's this place where there's this path that's clearly supposed to be there, but you can't see it. And he understands that in order to get across there, you have to just believe in faith. And he steps out toward this path that can't be seen, this cavernous fall that seems inevitable, and he reaches out and plants his foot on this invisible path and walks across. Now, it showed how much faith he had because he threw rocks on it after he got all the way around it so he could remember that it was there on the way out. But when you commit in faith, then Jesus will begin instilling and revealing his purpose in you. And so Jesus responds to Martha with one of the biggest I am statements contained in Scripture, and Jesus had many. In verse 25 through 27, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Now, Jesus' statement that I am the resurrection and the life, that wasn't just that we are going to avoid a physical death, but that our lives would continue well beyond death. Because even death cannot blot out the work that Jesus Christ can do, amen? But then Jesus, he challenges Martha by saying, Do you believe this? Do you believe? And him asking this, it isn't saying, Martha, do you believe in God? He doesn't ask, Do you believe in eternity? But Jesus was saying, Do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? Do you trust that I am the resurrection and the life? You know, there's a story from another gospel about Mary and Martha in where they were really beginning to start to be introduced to Jesus Christ. And they invite Jesus into their home and they prepare this big meal and and the the meal's over with and Jesus then sits down to teach them. And Mary goes and she sits at the feet of Jesus and Martha is looking around like, look how dirty and unorganized this house now is because of all these guests. And so Martha, she starts, she starts getting busy cleaning up everything. And listen to what Jesus says to her in Luke 10, 41, 42 as she's busy cleaning. It says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only th- one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. It is clear at that time, Martha had much to learn, and now in, in the face of her brother dying and, and Jesus standing right there, she says, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. I have always believed was the statement she said. What's fascinating about the language they spoke at that time, the Greek, the words she said mean a whole lot more than it actually we can interpret in English. Those words I have believed, it's what's called past, past future tense. Excuse me, past, past perfect tense, sorry. Sorry. And that past perfect tense, what it does is it emphasizes, I have always believed and I continue to believe. I am not going to stop believing in you even though this has befallen my brother. And so basically what she is saying is she is emphatically stating, you know what, the last four days of my life have been catastrophic, but I have trusted you, and I'm not going to stop trusting you, and I will continue to trust that you are the Son of God, even though this terrible thing has happened. Church, it is that kind of firm commitment to Jesus Christ that I am telling you will cause mountains to move through your faith. Hear me out. It will cause people to be healed. It will cause people to be raised from the dead because God is going to reveal His glory to the world and He's going to do it in His own timing. He's going to do it by His own purpose and He's going to use you, the vessel, to do that. But just because you do not understand His purpose, don't lose your commitment. I've heard so many times when the Lord has failed them all of a sudden they question the value of pursuing God altogether. Now, I, I, I want it to be clear. Let's not get mixed up in what we've learned here. There is a difference between questioning God to his face with your honesty and then there' a huge difference between going and telling everyone you just don't trust or believe in God anymore. Trials, struggle, death, These things are going to happen in our lives. We're not going to escape that. But no matter what comes our way, are we going to stay committed to the Lord? Or will you let your present circumstances dictate where your faith lies? The Apostle Paul exclaimed in Philippians 3.13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what ahead. I got a question for you, church. What lies ahead of us? Eternity, right? Eternity lies ahead of us. And so God has a purpose for us in all these trials. And also when we are going through these trials, it reveals what is contained within us. Even though both Mary and Martha are struggling and having a hard time grasping what Jesus can do, they believe. The last thing that I would encourage you is don't act like you have it all together just through a terrible situation. Don't do that. Now, don't give up on God. But trust that He is committed to you. So you be committed to Him. You know, I've shared many times about my wife and what happened early on in our marriage where she got really sick. Part of that story that I don't tell before she was healed was that my faith was on a very dangerous path. You know, I was going to Bible college, but I was planning my exit strategy. I was in church, but I was just going through the motions because I had responsibilities there. When people would call up and pray and I'd be invited to be on the phone, I'm like, no, I'm good. When people said, just trust God, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I just kept going through those kind of motions. And what I was doing was I was saying, I don't believe God's for me. Church. I had failed in trusting the power of God and what God can do. You know, I had such this I, I had a well insulated life and in that the the moment that first moment of trouble came, you know, I didn't looked to God, I didn't trust in him, I didn't completely, uh, or or I should say immediately respond. Instead what I did was I started to question everything and the failure was that instead I'm going to my parents, I, I am going to work and just trusting in my abilities to make money to support my wife who is now ill. I had all these thoughts that questioned everything and took nothing directly to God. And I didn't have the necessary relationship to completely pour myself out and trust that he was going to fill me back up with his spirit. Church, I'm going to tell you that no matter what you're going through, Jesus cares deeply about your sorrows. He cares deeply about what you're going through. And I challenge you in in realizing this, that Jesus' power is not negated by his compassion for humanity. Let me explain. Let's read John chapter 11, verses 35 through 37. The shortest verse in the Bible says, then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And I want to tell you that as I read this, Jesus' tears reveal his compassion because Jesus' crying was in response to Mary and and his response also to Martha. uh, or, Or I should say, his response to Mary was in tears and his response to Martha was in reasoning. And he recognized these two ladies as individuals and responded according to their makeup. And I want us to be clear that just because God has permitted suffering doesn't mean he also doesn't feel the pain that we go through. God is deeply moved by the pain and sorrow of his children. And he acts on behalf of his children in response to their pain. Now, even though there were naysayers standing around questioning Jesus, I want to be clear, it does not negate His power and it does not negate how He operates. Instead, it reveals that Jesus Christ empathizes with your pain. And the love and the power of God, it demonstrates He works within our weaknesses. Imagine, church, just for a moment, if you never had any problems, Jesus always took care of you. Every step you made, the right thing just happens. I'm going to tell you, that would leave us all very immature. It would leave us all very immature. We wouldn't know how to respond to him, just like an infant. Imagine a parent carrying a 12-year-old, right, everywhere they go. Like, I'll take care of you. Everyone else is looking at that 12-year-old going, man, that kid's set up for failure. It's the same thing with us. Someone's phone's been busy today. (laughs) But here's the thing I also know about God. He doesn't sit idly by. He doesn't just mourn with us. He also can demonstrate His power. And He shows us that we still have a lot of work to do in order to truly believe, because that's what He's showing with Mary and Martha. Just trust and know who I am. Because listen to what happens as we end this story in John eleven thirty eight 38-46. It says Jesus was still angry. Listen, Jesus is also angry. Even though He cried with Him, He's angry. Even though He heard the mocking, He's angry, but he still moves forward in his plan. It says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank You for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Do you see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is praying. He's talking to God, but he's also trying to teach them a lesson through his prayer. I'm going to read it again. It says, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that we'd see God's glory? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him go. Here's why Jesus delayed his response. They still didn't fully believe. His desire in his people was true and utter belief. Because then after this prayer, it says he shouted, and this couldn't be a whisper or a firm request. It was a shout of raw authority. And I love this quote I read by Augustine in the fourth century. He said that it was good that Jesus called Lazarus by name or else the whole cemetery would have come out of the grave. Because Jesus Christ, let me tell you what he can do. Jesus Christ can both sympathize with your weakness and he can bring a miracle to to your situation. He can do both. He has the ability. So every miracle, every teaching that he gave, every tear was Jesus giving people a choice for people to believe in him or reject the truth and walk away. A lukewarm heart wouldn't do. It would take more. You know, for him it was, and for us today, it's not good enough to hear this now and say, Pastor, that's a nice story. I sure like that story. Or, I would like to have seen Jesus do that. Church, I am telling you, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And he is reaching out to you that if you just choose to simply believe all those hurts that you are carrying are not meant to be your burden alone. I want you to hear me out here. You know what? Your employer might not care for you. Your neighbor might not care for you. Jesus Christ cares. Jesus Christ cares. And we are invited, church, to cast our cares on him. And you and I have this precious gift, and I know some of you are saying, man, it'd be one thing to see Jesus physically doing these things on the earth. He's He's ascended into heaven now. He's gone. But you know what? He sent his Holy Spirit to bring you comfort. Listen to what it says in Romans eight twenty six. It says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. There have been many times, church, that in my life where I was, in, I was in pain or I was confused, my only option was to cry out to God and the presence of His Holy Spirit came upon me and next thing you know, He's bringing healing to my heart and I don't even understand the words I'm praying and crying out to God, but I can feel His comfort and peace and love and that He's going to carry me through. The Holy Spirit is going to connect you with God during a difficult situation. Many times, you know, church, we're trying to do it on our own. Or we've been frustrated with God's response. But oftentimes we're frustrated without going directly to the source, we're not going directly to the feet of God. Now I've already quoted, but I want to quote it again for you, and I want you to see it on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. He cares about you. Let me be abundantly clear. I am tired of seeing stagnant people in church all because what we're doing is we haven't properly dealt with with these trials past emotions or confusion about God we haven't dealt with it we have put on that Z71 sticker and we're like you know what i got to go to church today and i got to just hammer through. I got to muscle through and I just got to trust that God's with me. But yet we're not pouring ourselves out because I'm telling you, when you decide to pour out everything that is inside of here, when you let go and let God begin to work, he is going to fill you with exactly what you need to carry you through. But you have to give it to him. You have to give it to him. You know what, you can act so strong here in church, go home and continue to be miserable all over again about this situation, or you can say, Pastor, I left it at the altar, I left it at the altar, it's his job, and I'll just trust in him. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to invite our prayer altar team up. Church, I don't take this lightly. These people that are up here, they're not taking notes on your situation. They just want to be an encourager. They want to lead you in prayer and they want to see you strengthened. And I know that life can get overwhelming. And I know that we have seen examples of people succeed greatly on their own through difficult circumstances. But I'm telling you, I have learned that when I cast all my cares on God, He empowers me to get through those things. What I want us to do right now is I want us to stand up and worship God.